Hi there, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, we're speaking with Dr. Ellen Vora. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Janine. It's good to be here. I heard about you because uh, you have a different approach to mental health, and it's uh, functional medicine. What exactly is that? Yeah, it's the opposite of dysfunctional medicine, (laughs) but basically um, the best description of it I've heard was from my colleague Kelly Brogan, which is to say it's root cause resolution rather than symptom suppression. Mm. So basically, rather than just saying you're depressed, let's take this medication as a band-aid and suppress your symptoms, we say you're depressed, well, why are you depressed? Could it be because your thyroid is not functioning properly or there's some gut dysfunction or you're missing some nutrients or is there a history of trauma, um, looking at all the possible root causes. So this is why I wanted to have you on the show, because this speaks to me in my experiences as a mother, you know, as, you know, as a person with different issues that have come up. I believe you have to be a detective with your health and not mm-hmm. throw a pill at it as a Band-Aid and really get to the root cause because... For example, for me, was when we moved into our house, uh, I didn't know my daughter was allergic to carpeting and mold and mildew mm. and, and then, you know, all these things. It's a domino effect. So um, let's talk about this because I feel like, you know, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we could be in a funk for a personal reason, a career issue, but also more specifically, emotional, mental, you know, a physical thing. And... So let's let's target, let's go to maybe talk about kids. Like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes a kid's diet could make them depressed. Lack of, you know, exercise, vitamin D. Can you talk about some of this? Yeah, 100%. That's the thing. It's usually not just one thing. Yeah. But you can get a lot of mileage out of changing some of the big hitters. Diet is a huge factor. I think it's actually the number one first thing to look at when you want to improve mental health. Uh, so basically, I had this experience personally. I used to be a crapitarian. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> so many of us. So yeah, I mean, it was pizza and it was bagels and it was like Luna bars, God forbid. And now, and I was feeling really terrible. I couldn't focus. I had migraines. I had polycystic ovary syndrome. I was depressed. I really was a mess. And I weighed about probably 35 pounds more than I do now. Um, and it took me learning how to feed myself properly to feel better. And that really was the most important factor. And, I, and it wasn't that straightforward. I learned a lot. I, I really educated myself about different approaches to diet. And none of that really quite worked for me until I stumbled upon more of a paleo template or Whole30 real food approach to eating. So, you know, it's, it's not vegan. It's not low-fat. It's not all these raw foods, things that I tried over the years. It's really just real foods. And yeah. it's not just what you eliminate, but it's also what you add in. So right. many kids are running around um, really on a sugar roller coaster. Uh, kids are extremely sensitive to sugar. They like sugar. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, cultural, societal, the pressure from the food industry, we are all conditioned to think that's what kids eat. You know, that's what we should be feeding them to be good parents is give them a wholesome childhood experience with plenty of ice cream and cookies and uh, candy. Yuck. And, and, and so I think it impacts their mood, it impacts their ability to focus, it impacts yeah. their ability to even just function in society, the role that they're supposed to be in as kids. And watch this, and the parent turns around and says, you know, 
Emily is just not listening to me and her grades are failing and maybe we should get her tested for ADHD and, and it could be like something else is going on. Yeah. Yep. Now everybody wants to say, I'm a good parent. There's a problem here. I recognize it. It's clearly a problem. So you need to talk to someone. You need to do something. And that, of course, usually means getting evaluated by a, uh, either a neuropsychologist or a psychiatrist and then getting on meds. And the solution could have been so many steps upstream, just changing the diet. Right. I find just going off gluten uh, has helped me. I mean, I I was, um, as a child, I had eczema, and mm-hmm. um, my kids are prone to it, but there's just, there's a the backstory for me. Um, so what are some steps people can do as, an, as adults if they're finding themselves um, feeling kind of off kilter as far as, you know, maybe it's insomnia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think for everyone, kids and adults alike, start with something like a Whole30 diet, and that's not easy to do, but it's doable. And Whole30 has a great way of putting this really concisely with humor. And they're basically like, you know, because my patients always understandably want to push back. They're like, this is hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it. I live this life. It, it is hard. But Whole30 is like, no, no, no. Childbirth is hard. This isn't hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you know, you do have to dedicate a month to getting used to these new paradigms of how to feed yourself. And so it's tough initially, but it's doable. It's not childbirth. And that will help, that will go a long way to feeling better with your mood. You'll start sleeping better, your energy will go better. Uh, Notably, a lot of people feel worse initially. So the first week or so, you might actually be in a little bit of withdrawal. You might be in a kind of um, like sugar, gluten, dairy detox (laughs) where you walk by a pizzeria and you feel like you're a heroin junkie and you want to shoot up the pizza. (laughs) Um, But then after you've gotten over that initial hump, things start to feel better. Sleep, I love to manage insomnia with diet. So much of insomnia does relate to things like sugar and alcohol in the diet. Um, but my favorite approach to sleep is actually just getting the phone out of your bedroom and out of your life yes. for a period of time before bedtime. Right. I'm, I'm actually, I think, one of the few parents that has a no phone rule in the bedroom. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think it's so bad because, you know, they get sucked in too. Yeah. Yeah, the phone is ingeniously created to be addictive. <laughs> it works on me. It works on all of us. Right. Uh, and there are a few among us, you know, I have a couple of really intentional people who use Grayscale and they're not addicted to their phones, but that's, that's rare. Most of us are sucked in and that's okay. You know, you can try to behave more consciously with your phone, be the driver of the ship rather than just a passive addicted, you know, cog. Um, yes. But I think that before bed, the best thing you can do is shut it down about a half an hour, an hour before bedtime Try not to look at any screens in that time, and then the phone never goes in the bedroom. And, of course, most of us then need to get a different kind of alarm clock. Uh, so that usually involves dropping about $10 on Amazon and just getting an, an alarm clock, like in an analog alarm clock is best. But you can even just get a digital one for your room. Yes. Uh, or you can just have a baby. That's what I did. Now I don't need an <laughs> alarm clock anymore. <laughs> so, I, I got you know, a puppy. $10 on Amazon or that. Yeah, I got a puppy. <laughs> mm-hmm, that works too. Those are, these are really foolproof alarm clocks. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. They don't have a snooze button. You can't miss it. Yeah, and you don't have yeah. time to check your phone with a puppy or a baby. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Tell me your backstory, how uh, you got into this. I know you went to Columbia University for medical school. You have a BA in English from Yale. How did you become a board-certified psychiatrist, acupuncturist, and a yoga teacher? 
I mean, it's all a long story, but the short version is that um, I was in med school and really hated all of it. It was not the right fit for me. <laughs> but psychiatry yeah. always really appealed to me. I loved mental health. I loved just the, I was an English major, you know, so like the humanities, the, exper- the human experience always appealed to me. Like, what are we doing here and why do we suffer and why do we experience joy and ecstasy? And I wanted to sort of understand that aspect of human health. But I loved the human physical body, too. Um, a lot of psychiatrists, they leave the physical body behind completely. Um, and that never felt right to me because I think it's all interconnected. I have a background in Chinese medicine as well and Ayurveda, and really, like, there is no separation between mind and body in any of these more ancient disciplines. Um, They understand that what's happening in the body impacts our mood, impacts our mind and our thoughts. I was in my psychiatry residency, and it was all completely out of alignment for me. It's just my, Mm -hmm. my gut said, no, something's not right about this approach. Yeah. People are suffering, and we're saying, oh, you happen to have this DSM diagnosis, and we happen to have a medication that treats that. And I was like, what? What if you were born in Cambodia in, you know, the 1400s? What if you were depressed then, and you right. didn't happen to live in the era of Merck? Did just We left them high and dry? But then I started to think we actually have really different ways of approaching wellness at different times and places in human history. And mm-hmm. I think that this is one very recent construct that happens to be, I think, one of the more deranged approaches to human well-being. Um, so it never felt right for me, and I just had to keep pursuing things that did feel right. So it was a, I was blind. You know, I wasn't, there was no long-term plan. It was just yoga feels right, I'll pursue that. Acupuncture yeah. feels right, I'll pursue that. Functional medicine felt very right, I pursued that. And I just kept gathering education around things that felt in alignment for my beliefs around health. And now it's all come together in a way where I have this great toolbox of different things to reach from when I'm trying to help someone feel better. Um, but I wish I could say there was a, a long plan, but it was, it was a lot of random just trying to find something that felt right for me because conventional psychiatry never did. Right. Well, it's, it's an interesting road. You know, you start one place and then you go down a path and then you see something out there and you go, hmm, what is that? That Mm -hmm. looks intriguing, and that resonates with me. I mean, I recently went back to yoga again. I have a few uh, guests on my show talk about yoga, and because I stopped going because I had shoulder pain, but that was stemming from a lot of emotional pain, losing my dad and somebody else. And and, and yoga, I feel like, and I would think that this resonates with you, um, the practice and the teachings and how you feel uh, spills over to your life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're present in those yoga poses, and then you want to be present when you go out to lunch with somebody. Yeah. Yoga is transformative. I'm Similar back story to you, I, I've moved away from yoga a bit because of injuries. Mm-hmm. So I think that some people's bodies can handle a lot of yoga practice for many years, and that's great because then you get all the benefits of yoga. I got a big education in yoga probably for about, let's see, probably 15 years, Um but now I don't practice as much, or at least the asanas, like the physical postures, because it hurts my wrists and my knees. Um, but so I do Pilates instead, but I keep the yoga philosophy alive in my meditation practice and in my outlook on life. And I think that there are ways to come to that without the practice, which is basically mindfulness. There's right. a lot of overlap with mindfulness. And yeah, at this point, if you're walking around the world in 2018 and you haven't exposed yourself to mindfulness, do that first. <laughs> yes. That's one of the most transformative things you can do to just feel better in your life. 
be kinder to yourself, be more patient with those around you. Um, it really improves quality of life. One of the saddest things I've seen are pictures or actually images. I, you know, you, you're walking here, there, and you see a parent on their phone and the kids, you know, kind of looking around like, where's, where's my dad or mom? They're completely not present. Yeah, it, it's a scary state of affairs right now. And I don't mean to say I'm above the fray. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a parent, and I look at my phone, and my daughter says, like, Mama, Mama, I'm talking to you. And it's yes. like, oh, crap, you know, I'm I'm just like what I'm trying not to be. I, I, I maybe know. I'll fall into it. Um, but I think that it's really... Um, it's such a weird experience for kids who are just constantly looking for attunement from their parents. They basically need us to be the container for them to understand what's okay, what's not okay, what's up and what's down. And so they're going to they're gonna try something and they're going to look at us for our reaction and we're lost in Instagram and they miss that, you know, that shaping of a human being moment. And yes. it's, it's confusing for little kids' brains. Um, so it it's is. really not good. Um but, yeah, I think that mindfulness does help us. I think of it like Zach Morris, if anybody watched Saved by the Bell. <laughs> it's like he was <laughs> able to say time out <laughs> and kind of catch his breath and think like, okay, what's happening here? And so mindfulness just inserts an extra little second in between our choices and our reactions where we get to say time out. How do I feel? Why do I feel that way? How do I want to choose to respond And just inserting that second before we just have our knee-jerk reflex to things and shoot from the hip, I think it really makes such a difference. So we can start to catch ourselves when we're not present with our kids. Absolutely. it's really helpful. Yeah. So I know we have to wrap up. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, I'm all over the place on social media. You can go to my website, which is ellenvora.com. Vora, like the, as in Victor, O-R-A. Uh, and then I'm also on Instagram at Ellen Vora MD and same thing on Twitter. And then I have a Facebook page if you look up Ellen Vora Holistic Psychiatrist. So lots and lots of free content out there. My mission is to just spread this gospel that if you're not feeling right, there are alternatives to the conventional path of going to see a psychiatrist and getting put on meds. You can try other approaches. And I like people to try them first because it's a lot easier to... Um, get the funk out yes. <laughs> were, yeah. um, before getting on meds in the first place using I, nutrition, lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's great. You know, I'd love to have you back on because uh, you'd be a great contributor from time to time to talk about this. Sounds good. I'd love it. All right. Thanks so much for calling in and stand by. I mean, thank you. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.